0: Welcome to Pints and Politics. Oh. and Politics is a podcast posted at podcasters.ca. You can also listen or subscribe by searching for Pints and Politics on iTunes, Stitcher, and on my sub-site. This will be episode number 117. We are also an occasional discussion program on Trent Radio, CFFF in Peterborough, 92.7 FM. We explore all things political with a focus on life in Peterborough, Ontario, and Canada. Today, I'm going to have a conversation with city councillor Stephen Wright about his current campaign to be mayor of Peterborough. So, it is July 5th. Stephen, you've been knocking on doors for a bit, but before we get to what you're hearing at the doors, you could run again as a councillor, as an incumbent, and you'd be in a strong position to win. So why have you decided to take the risk of running for the position of mayor?
1: Well, well, thank you, Bill, and uh, good question. Uh, You know, to leave a safe incumbent seat to run for mayor is premised on the fact that I've got a different vision for the city of Peterborough and believe that in order to move Peterborough progressively forward, it's going to require strong leadership. It's going to require strong leadership on the economic front, strong leadership on dealing with our social issues in our downtown, and completely revitalizing or reinventing our downtown.
0: And what do you see in terms of the biggest challenges facing Peterborough
1: over the next four years? Growing the local economy is significantly important. You know, that balance between increasing taxes and increasing municipal revenue through other streams. You know, I spent three years working on a strategic plan respecting our airport, knowing that the uh, airport itself can generate more in economic value than we currently collect in taxes on all lines, commercial, industrial, and our residential class.
0: What other challenges are going on as you walk around downtown, and you know every day what you see? I mean, here we are in your office on George Street, just north of Brock. What do you see that you want to
1: change, or what hits you? Well, when you, when you walk down the downtown, you know, you it, you can't ignore the comments made by residents, whether in Monaghan Ward or East City or uh, North End that you get this constant, I'm afraid to go downtown, Peterborough. You know, you've got the homeless situation, uh, you know, the concerns about the number of uh, uh, opioid deaths, uh, the homeless population. So our downtown, not unlike most downtowns across the country, are trying to navigate how to deal with the social and human problems that are showing up more and more on our streets.
0: So how do you respond to those questions about, not so much a question, but those statements, downtown is unsafe? Is downtown unsafe?
1: Well, you know, the perception and reality are are two different things. You know, and and you can't ignore someone's perception that they feel unsafe downtown. So we've made it a plan in our campaign to focus on community safety as well, not only to address the reality uh, of the unsafeness downtown. We've had two shootings in the central area in the last two months, but to also address the perception that a homeless person makes our downtown feel unsafe. You know, we, we want to address social housing in a way that gets us an actual solution. Uh, we want to see uh, a regentification of some of our downtown areas uh, with different type of development to kind of bring a, a blended crowd in our downtown.
0: Now, you've been knocking on doors for how many weeks?
1: <laughs> well, I, th- I think we started right on May uh, 3rd, so All right. we've been okay. doing it for a while. So, so that's two months. What, yeah. what,
0: what are you hearing? If you know, without Good. letting any cats out of any bags, but oh, it, what, it, what are people interested in?
1: Well, you know, the the downtown comes up quite often. I think it's the number one issue that comes up. I've been spending a lot of time in Monaghan Ward, and that you hear about downtown. You hear the taxes. The tax issue comes up a lot. Yes. You know, we're looking at a 4% property tax increase, and, you know, residents concern. What am I getting today differently than I had 20 years ago? We went from $3,500 in property taxes to almost $5,000, but the services are the same. The roads are still the same. You know, what's my money being used on? Where's the value for my dollar? You know, when we put out the plan about the airport, then that gets folks extremely excited, the possibility of seeing an ultra-low-cost carrier flying from Peterborough and generating extra economic revenue.
0: It's often said that municipalities like Peterborough, all of us across Ontario, of course, are, are children of the province, right? It is through provincial legislation that municipalities are governed, in a sense, What's that relationship like now that we have a new conservative government with even a stronger uh, majority? Well,
1: one of the very first challenges uh, that the next council is going to face is the impacts of Bill 109. Could you, what's so, about? So Bill 109, the more housing option, All right. uh, takes away some of the powers from local councils and attempts to address the housing issues uh, by expediting development process. But, you know, when you look at development in Peterborough, it's not the same issues as development, say, in Brampton or Toronto. Our challenges are all different. You know, we've got a lot of significant wetlands around in the municipality that restricts the type of development, and council has to weigh in on some of these development applications to ensure the right product being built in the community and takes the community's values into concern.
0: How do you handle the observation that, yes, we see more building in Peterborough, but it's uh, it's at a price point that only the top 5% can yeah. afford.
1: You know, it, it it goes back to the uh, the law of supply and demand. Uh, you know, the housing affordability factor is premised on the availability of housing. Right now in Peterborough, even with the largest development, Lily Lake subdivision, the majority yeah. of that development is already sold. So now you're looking at what's available. So... Uh, Two years of COVID has had an impact with the exodus from the GTA to smaller communities. Uh, But, you know, you're moving to a community where there is no housing stock driving up the prices of property.
0: Now, if we could time travel forward to the summer of 2026, another campaign... And assuming, let's say, you, you're victorious and you are the mayor for four years and we're in 2026, we're sitting at this table, what do you want to be able to look back on with pride in terms of decisions and progress that you've helped happen?
1: Well, I can see them already. You know, when it comes to the downtown issue, I know we have a new health care facility being built in the north and an extended care facility. You know, we'd like to see their old building turned into an in-residence treatment facility in helping us deal with the addiction problems in the downtown by having a safe place for those that need uh, somewhere to be. So Mm -hmm. we have that facility available, providing a level of safety in the downtown to deal not only with the perception, but also the reality of the downtown not being safe. You know, we'd like to see residents of Peterborough and in the surrounding area, also be able to take their next uh, flight out of the Peterborough airport. You know, we've made significant investment in it, and we're very close to seeing passenger service at that airport.
0: Do you sense any barriers in your campaign, things that you're going to have to speak to? How do those things factor in?
1: Well, you know, the, the last campaign, you know, I did run into that one individual in Peterborough. You know, and his comment at the time was, well, Peterborough's not ready for someone like you. What does that mean? You know, with, well, well, I know what it was code for for that individual, but yeah. then you'd find the humor in in comments like that by saying, what, somebody that's good looking, somebody with great ideas. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure Peterborough's ready for that. There is still that element that exists out there that yeah. says, you know, just because you don't look like the rest of us, then your ideas are no better than what someone else can, else can bring to the table. Right. I don't let those type of thinking hinder me from doing the work or getting the job done. It's just me and one more uh, obstacle you overcome and you put in the wind column.
0: You were being hit with a lot of questions during the campaign. All, all candidates are. What are the questions you'd wish people would ask you and they don't? They shy away from or they just don't think of asking?
1: Uh, most residents have been pretty blind to the questions they want to ask. Okay. Um, quite honestly, I can't think of a question. Uh, oh, or, you know what? How can I help? How can I help you get the achievements that you're looking oh, to get okay. done? okay. You okay. Know, Fair enough. You, 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 instead of the debates, you'd probably want to hear a lot more of that question. How can I help? Sure, sure. What sure. can I do today? Let's get this going.
0: Yeah. Now, I was at your launch. Mm-hmm. And you gave a, a little introductory talk. And what I found quite moving was when you spoke about the journey your mother made and those early years, like first coming to Canada, you mm-hmm. settled in New Brunswick, and what she went through. You know, I, that was the first time you know I, I'd heard you speak about that. Mm-hmm. D- did you reflect on those things? And, uh where, what that has given you or, or help, how that has helped you?
1: You know, we now I do because um, uh, both parents are gone um, and both taught us some very hard principles when it comes to how we work. Right. And, you know, we look back at now and you said, mom taught us how to be super brave. Right. Uh, the decision to leave your children with other family members in Jamaica and travel to a country where you knew nobody for a job to make sure that they had an opportunity.
0: And she was up here for a few years,
1: right? Yeah. So, well, mom came to Canada when I was a year old. So, you know, you think now of even uh, custody battles, you know, the doctrine of tender years, you know, we don't separate uh, parents from their children at that early age anymore because we know what the impact could be. Yeah. I, I've got great appreciation and uh, a tremendous amount of respect and love for mom because of the fact that she took that challenge. You know, and and being here, things that she you know did with what little she made, such as saying opening up the opportunity and ensuring that. We get treated no differently than how she was treated when she first came to Canada. She experienced the harshest of racism in uh, in New Brunswick. Sure. You know, and moved to Toronto, where there were a lot more people that looked like her, who mm-hmm. had similar stories and had similar experiences. You know, when our family was able to move to Alberta, you know, she, with her limited resources as well as dad, made sure my sisters and I went to private school. Yeah. She just she thought at the end of the day you know when you're able to tell people what private school you went to then they would probably treat you a little differently and the opportunities would be more available to you mm. for employment or yeah. or whatever
0: yeah yeah I, when you told that story at the the uh, introduction it was uh, made uh, certainly me reflect on the difference between your childhood and mine And, yeah, something that we don't consider often. Mm -hmm. Okay, now in terms of other things that uh, you're considering as you look at the political landscape here, how do you see, if you will, the the political field shifting, you -hmm. know, both provincially and municipally in terms of parties being popular, parties shifting, and how can you adapt to that? Because you have to work with whoever's in power as a mayor.
1: Absolutely. I know we uh, just had our provincial election, and uh, quite likely we'll see uh, some stability at Queen's Park for the next four years. You know, and when when we talk about the work and getting the work done and who else we have to partner with, you know, to me it doesn't matter what the political party is because you're here to represent the interests of the residents of Peterborough. You're going to have differences, but I don't believe those differences should ever be politicized uh, by party policy.
0: Interesting, because there are those people who say, you know, the party system is coming to municipal mm-hmm. politics. Yeah,
1: and, and that's a, and that's a scary scenario. Oh yeah, think that uh, you know you're going to push a conservative agenda or a liberal agenda from uh, City Hall. You know, when City Hall's view is issue, you might want to look at your roads. Are they passable? Are they safe to drive on? Your sidewalks, are they safe to pass for seniors with mobility devices? You know, your complete streets, are you building for your cycling infrastructure, uh, connecting to your trails? And I mean, those things shouldn't be politicized. It's about community deliverable, community sure. services.
0: Now, in terms of,
1: budget and taxes and
0: you've you've mentioned that of course no one likes more taxes on the other hand we all want more services what do you see happening over the next four years two things maintain services or improve services where possible and manage the tax
1: rise You know, looking for efficiency, and an efficiency, uh, most people think that's code for we're going to fire people, cut services. I look at, I was at an FCM conference with just the Canadian Federation of Municipalities uh, a few weeks ago with uh, one of my colleagues on council. And, you know, the city of Peterborough has been talking about green waste and picking up green waste for a number of years, and we still don't have green waste pickup because it's expensive. You know, with over a $300 million budget and a long list of priorities, but, you know, We were able to find an alternative to how we pick up green waste. So the old uh, trucks, door-to-door stops is an antiquated way of doing things. Mm. So in trying to deal with taxes and keeping them at a modest level, Mm -hmm. you try to find better ways of doing things. You know, we have one development in the city where garbage is picked up on a monthly basis because you're using buried urethane bags and garbage is disposed in those bags and the truck comes in once a month and picks it up. So you have some efficiency now on how you're picking up garbage by moving away from the old antiquated way of doing things. And the same will follow with the green waste pickup. We have a device that's a a kitchen device Mm -hmm. that will compost an entire month's worth of green waste into the equivalent of a coffee cup of soil. You know, there's funding available through Mm -hmm. the federal government by way Mm -hmm. of FCM uh, to pilot a project like that in Peterborough.
0: What's your perspective on the whole privatization versus public delivery battle? There are those people who say, privatize all the city services, mm-hmm. private sector can do it much more efficiently. And the other hand, there are those saying, no, 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 uh, the public sector
1: delivers greater value for dollar. So
0: where do you come down on yeah. that?
1: When it comes to municipal services, the reason we collect taxes is to ensure the delivery of those services. And you know, it's always going to come down to how efficiently you provide those services and how well managed those services are. We have individuals that work in the private sector that are working in the municipal sector that understand how to deliver those services are doing a pretty uh, decent job. You take, for example, our new commissioner of infrastructure. You know, his assessment right off the bat is, well, here we are. We've got to figure out how you get the deliverables for the fact that you only have a $300 million budget.
0: Now, each election cycle seems to have the hot issue, and I'm doing air quotes here. The hot issue, uh, certainly one or two cycles ago, was the parkway. Yeah. Well, now the parkway's been resolved, we're not having a parkway. but. The Twin Pad Hockey Arena uh, seems
1: to be What's What's the solution there? What's, what's the best outcome you know, for a hockey arena? You, know, my, my, you know, you have to rethink community facilities a lot differently. And when you look at cities like Calgary and what they're building, uh, uh, in a way the Genesis centers and new developments, your community facilities are built with partnership with the developers that are actually building the community. You've got staff on hand. You've got material being purchased in bulk. So your approach is not just hockey. It's, it's not a hockey community community anymore. And when you talk to those folks at the Sports Tourism Council of Canada, and say, well, what do people want in their communities? You're hearing more soccer, uh, yes. basketball. So building community facilities has to be multi-use, multi-purpose Um, You know, swimming. So, and then you engage your developers to ensure that those are actually built. Uh, We've got a park in the Heritage Park subdivision, 22 year old subdivision, no community park. You know, when the developers are there, you could have had the site created for the park and, you know, build it and scale it with the development.
0: So, right now, my Outsider understanding is that Peterborough is going to get a twin pad hockey arena at Morrill
1: Park. It, it, it might cost us significantly more than that $100 million because uh, you know, the, the concerns raised, quite frankly, by the friends of Morrill Park should not be taken lightly. Right. You know, I've looked at the 1938 Moral Trust Agreement. Oh, okay. Uh, What's it, it say? <laughs> so the, the, the park in itself, or the land, was given as gifted to the Industrial Society, which is now the Agricultural Society. The 1984 agreement reconveyed the land to the city of Peterborough, which doesn't mean the land was gifted back to the city of Peterborough. It simply means the address for the land had to change, because right. in 38 Morrow Park was in North Monaghan in 84, that was the city of Peterborough. So the land was reconveyed to the city. But when you read section 10 of the agreement, it's something that I think that it would be in the city's best interest to get an independent outside legal opinion on as to whether the conditions set out in section 10 of that agreement are still relevant today. Uh, I've asked and uh, I see no uh, independent legal opinion on that.
0: Interesting. Because the, uh, of course, the hockey lobby in Peterborough is mm-hmm. very strong, yeah. and yet, when, again, as a layperson, I know nothing about building, uh, structural integrity, etc. But when I go to the Memorial Centre, mm-hmm. uh, I went to a game just before the pandemic. The friends see the peaks play, seem to be fine. Yeah. Why do we need? To replace the (laughs) map center. We we may need a two-hour broadcast for this. It it would be a long discussion.
1: You know, there is that thinking of something's old, you get rid of it. And it makes me fearful for the fact that I'm getting old. (laughs) Um, But, you know... The the thinking around the MEM Center and even the location of the arena doesn't make good economic sense to me either because, uh, you know, again, factor in sports, tourism, a $6 billion a year industry, 40% of that staying in Ontario. It's a combination of activities. Uh, uh, you've got the Healthy Planet Arena within walking distance from the proposed Morrill Park Twin Pad. Yes. The MEM Center across the street and the Kingsman Arena. So you have a clustering of these arenas, but yet you have no community facilities in the north end of the city of the Peterborough. What's going to happen to the MEM Center? You know, at, at some point in time, I mean, you know, it's, it's a travesty to think of the amount of money that has been spent on the MEM Center, and right. if you're going to tear it down to rebuild something else. You know, last term of council, we asked $3 million on the floor. 11 uh, right. change orders and, and an additional $2 million on the roof. Right. The previous council significant renovations to the uh, the facility and you know we have to always be mindful how we use taxpayers' money for every million dollars right. wasted is right. a one point six percent increase on your property tax bill
0: now uh, sort of hovering over this discussion of course uh, and one of the elephants in the room is uh, the next administration the next four years of course is going to be dealing with climate change. Yes as that issue is not going away. You've talked about the clustering of hockey arenas down in what we'd call the the, uh, southern end of downtown or the south end. What should the city be doing to redesign itself to better respond to climate uh, changes and uh, carbon emissions
1: Mm -hmm. and so on? The, the climate change scenario, when you look at the responsibilities for municipal government makes it challenging for municipal governments to implement policy that would not have to have been approved by the provincial government. right. So some of the, the, the I would say the lower hanging fruits, you know as the city grows and you look at your transit system, replacing your buses, building out an infrastructure to, to move through the electrification of your transit fleet you know, new development being built with green roofs. So there there are those things that we can do locally. But when it comes to the big significant things, such as uh, reducing our use of natural gas, mm-hmm. well, we know those things are federal in right. nature, and then there's not much the municipal government can do other than write a letter.
0: Now, can anything be done about the traditional Peterborough uh, mode of urban development, which says... Let's convert more farmland into suburbs. Let's spread out. And yet, do we not have now legislation, at least in Ontario, in Ontario saying that, no, no, we have to intensify, build up instead of out? Right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, building up helps us to address what is already a deficit as far as our infrastructure costs. So the city is sitting roughly at a $3.5 billion infrastructure deficit. Mm. So we know when we do what we consider a sprawl, right? It increases that infrastructure deficit because areas where you want to uh, service, you're now servicing new development,
0: new roads, new sewer, yeah. new water mains, etc. Yeah. Right.
1: So building up, and uh, quite specifically, building a continuum of housing as you build up, you know, between the rental apartments and condominiums. Uh, helps you to create that density in the area so you don't extend your transit route, you know, because your economic zone is contained. So there's a lot we can do by building up. What else do you want to say to put out there? (sighs) Election Day is October 24th. We're asking people to make sure you put it on your calendar. You know, the next council is going to deal with a lot of significant issues uh, to progressively move Peterborough forward. We have the opportunity at the door with the airport right. to generate an additional economic value. That allows us to create jobs. Those jobs are necessarily because of the tax revenue the yeah. city receives to address our social problem. Sure. And you know you can't address one without the other. So our social problem is also an economic problem. So I, yeah, big <laughs> decisions to be made.
0: Okay. Uh, my last question is. How do you get more people,
1: particularly more young people, to to vote, to get involved in municipal politics? Oh it it's it's the significant challenge, uh Bill, because more young people don't see or understand the work that's done locally versus the what they see with the political parties and the messaging put out by political parties at the provincial or the federal level. You know, I try to explain to young people that you know the things that you do in your day-to-day life between the time you get out of bed and noon is all managed locally. When you turn the water on, that's your municipal government. When you walk on the sidewalk or in your driveway to get to your car, it's all managed by local government. Where your house was built, it's all local decision making. Right. Um, so we do try to engage them that way by telling them what happens in their lives and how it's impacted by us.
0: Great. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for uh, making the time to do this. You've been listening to Pints in Politics, an occasional uh, discussion podcast uh, about all things political. We're also an occasional radio program coming to you through the facilities of Trent Radio, 92.7 FM, CFFF in Peterborough, Ontario. Uh, This episode of our podcast is posted at pints and you can find this episode number 117 uploaded at this site. We post on Twitter at Bill Temp and on our Facebook page, Pints and Politics Podcast. We're also available on iTunes, Stitcher and my Substack site. Uh, So until next time, this is Bill Templeman.